Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Uh, oh, that wasn't a good start. <laughs> <laughs> First word didn't come out. Hang on. Can you tell me a different way of saying welcome to today's show? Because it's so boring. Um, no. 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 That's not helpful. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello um, and welcome. I'm going to put that in. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> That's going to be end, isn't it? <laughs> right, okay. Welcome to today's show, which is all about how to make the best of your creative space. But before we start, well done to all of you who have been taking part in one of our July challenges. Tara, what's caught your eye this month? Well, first, I want to go back to June because we actually haven't had a joint podcast for ages. Oh, yeah. All those interviews, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So uh, back for the copyist June work, I really like the work done by Heather Adams and KD. But then on to the July challenges. I'm really pleased. You know, Yardell Perkins did our February fables. Yeah. So he wrote a story during February and he's now come back and he's using the kick time, the month long prompt to write a follow up story. I think that's really good. How about you? What's caught your eye? Yeah, that's brilliant about Yardell, isn't it? I'm really pleased. And just just for anyone listening, if if um, anyone wants a link to his first uh, book, it's actually on our Facebook page, isn't it? In the yes, in our group, I think. In the group. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, this month I've been enjoying I've been enjoying Sandra Ridgewell's creations for Half Past Christmas, which you thought would go down like a lead balloon, and <laughs> people are loving it. It's mad. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know I actually had a half past birthday once. Oh, did you like the Queen? Yes, exactly. And why was that? Well, because my birthday's Christmas Day, isn't it? So, oh, oh, that is pants, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we went out on June twenty fifth. Oh, you and, should do that every year. Yeah. Well, we did it two years, and then everybody forgot me. So. Oh, what yeah. shame! Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I've I've interrupted you. Yeah, half past Christmas. Uh, Sandra Ridgewell's been doing that, and um, actually, I think she's been taking part in all three of the challenges, hasn't she? Because I've seen yeah. some really nice photo spreads that she's made. Um, and what she's actually done is she's kind of proved that she's printed them out because she's printed them out and then spread them, make, made a really nice spread on, on like a scrapbook page, I think it was. Um, so that's really nice. And she's made some really nice sketches, which she's done for the Upside Down Challenge too. So hats off to Sandra. Um, Jackie Smith, she's been making an advent calendar, um, which has been really fun to follow. So another one doing the half past Christmas. Um, and also, not I don't think he's posted on our Facebook group, but um, have you been? Yeah, I know you have. You've seen Jeffrey Cameron Sir. Is that how yes, you pronounce I that? No idea. Sir, Jeffrey, um, well, he's been live streaming some of his creative sessions on Facebook and they've been really good fun to watch. And uh, he's actually been catching up on all of our episodes while he's doing it. So uh, we've been right there with him in his studio, I believe. So, yeah, poor man. 
Yeah, Jeffrey, if you're listening, I really hope we're not distracting you too much. <laughs> but yeah, we, there's been loads to look at this month. It's been a real feast for the eyes. It's been brilliant. So what about you? Uh, well, I was actually going to ask, what have you been up to? What's new? Oh, okay. Oh, oh. well, I did a, um, a portrait workshop, um, didn't I? Do you remember I spoke to you about that? I yeah, about that. I, I, you sent me what you'd drawn as well, which was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it, I, do you know, that workshop was so good. It, I just wish that there'd been a third day because two just wasn't quite long enough. But I had a really, really good um, weekend and it was in uh, Rosson Wee. Is it Wee or Why? Rosson Wee, maybe. Why, but then again, yeah. we, we have arguments about gouache and wash. So. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to explain that comment? Oh, yeah, we were trying to record. We're, we're making a little course that might take some time, I reckon, <laughs> after, after how we got on trying to record the voiceover. But we, we both pronounce gouache, as I call it, very differently. And Sandra pronounced it very weirdly like gouache. <laughs> <laughs> gouache. I call it gouache. And you call it gouache, which yeah. is just, you know, I don't know. I just don't understand. But anyway, anyone who actually knows how to say gouache or gouache, please tell us because we have no idea. <laughs> um, anyway, what, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the workshop. Um, you yeah, to. my workshop. Yeah, really, really worthwhile. And I've got to say, I really surprised myself. Um, I've been doing still life, obviously, for so long. And I, I kind of wondered if portraiture would really throw me, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's, I just wanted to stretch myself. I wanted to sort of get out of my comfort zone a little bit. And so anyone thinking of doing that, it's well worth doing because you, you really could surprise yourself. Um, so I've just got to finish that portrait now. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I finished my little bubble painting as well, which I did on that Loxley canvas that they sent me to try. So that's one of my three paintings done that I've been talking about, but it was just a small one. And um, <clears throat> I started my triptych commission um, I haven't started my main painting yet. I just need to get this commission out of the way first. And quite honestly, I'm going to take a long break from commissions after this one because um, this year, you know, I did that marble painting, that five-foot marble yeah, paint I painting. Yeah. I mean, it took me months to do. And then obviously I've got this triptych to do, which is taking me ages. And I realised that my productivity, even though I'm painting, I'm still painting, obviously, these commissions. I can't share the progress. And I'm not, my, my website and, and all my pages are just dead because I'm not posting things. So I just want to get back to, you know, having a new painting done every month. I really miss that. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to take a break after this one. Well, so we're about an episode that on that, aren't we? Because um, on like doing your own work versus doing commissions. Oh, I think I've, yeah. Because we've both experienced a bit of that. Yeah, I, I'm ready to do that episode now because I'm always reluctant to do an episode as you are that we don't really have experience about. So, um, yeah, I, I'm ready now. <laughs> Pretty sure what my take on it will be yeah. as well. <laughs> Similar to mine, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. What about you then? What What's new with you? Well, I've had a bit of a slump. I don't know if you saw, well, I have, I've spoken to you about it. Um, because I was really enjoying drawing, especially when I was away over holiday and doing a like I was doing a challenge, drawing ten minute faces, which I was absolutely loving. And then came back and I've had a real slump. You know when you really, you're not really liking what you're doing and it yeah. doesn't go that well. And again, I think it's something to do with um, almost the commission thing and and doing things because I think it would please other people that made sense yeah yeah um but I did set up a little shop for some of the ones when I was enjoying doing them called art in 10 
and it was just like my quick sketches that I was doing and videoing. Um, but I'm having a little bit of break of a break at the minute, not only for like yeah, a week or two, just so I can sort of feel like I want to start again. Yeah, that makes sense. But I'm also debating on Saturday. There's a um, a loose watercolor and ink workshop, which I'm debating whether to go to or not. But the only thing is, it's completely opposite to you. You know how you said you wish the portrait workshop was longer. Yeah. Well, this is a day, so I think it's like nine till about four, five o'clock, and I'd much rather it was shorter. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> that, it was a morning. That really would be loose. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> it was a morning. What, like an hour? <laughs> no, four hours would do me. Yeah, but you're not going to learn as much in that in that time. Well, no, but I'll, I'll I'll be done by then. <laughs> in my head, I'll be done. <laughs> Well then, maybe if you're going to do it for a whole day, you'll have loads done. You'll do three. No, or four. but I'll I'll just be like, it's four. too much. Yeah. Well, I'll just say, look, I'm coming, but if I can pay half the money, can I go at lunch? <laughs> well, I, I think I might just like leave early afternoon because mm. it's not expensive anyway. It's yeah. only because I'm a member of this thing. It's only twenty yeah. quid for the whole day. Well, you might find that you really enjoy it and you don't want to go. I might do. Yeah. Yeah, just no. like, I have this small window that I like. I don't like to spend ages on, as you know, ten minutes on anything. So yeah, yeah, and and sometimes you know it's it's actually um, it sounds really weird. I quite like, and this this is going to sound awful now, but when somebody else said to, says to me, "I'm going through a slump," um. It makes me, I, I obviously feel really bad for them because I know what it feels like, but sometimes it makes me feel better because oh, when, <laughs> no, but when somebody says that, and, and particularly when you hear people who are really prolific, we, we spoke to Danny Gregory, didn't we, um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and even he was saying, you know, he's had slumps in the past. So I always think it's quite good to hear when other artists go through that because it's easy to feel when you're going through it it's easy to feel that you're the only one and that if you were a real artist you wouldn't have a slump you know you just get in there and paint but actually you do and I'm not going through a slump at the moment but because of these commissions I feel like I feel the same way as I would if I was going through a slump and I think it's I've not been able to take part in a, a challenge this month because of these commissions um so I'm I'm hoping that in August I can get back to that um I think everyone's got to have a little bit of a break sometimes though haven't they yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it, it's so weird. I guess it's how sportsmen go through these little phases when, you know, they're, they're playing really well and then mm. suddenly they're not, but they can't think of any real reason for it. No, oh. I know I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, I We spoke a little bit before we started recording, didn't we, and I was saying about... Um, I've just stripped out my art studio and given it a real good clean and organise and um, I've put some little things in there to pretty it up and actually it's made it feel really inviting again. I kind of needed it to beg me to go in there <laughs> because of this commission I'm doing. I'm like, oh, really? And it's just <laughs> such a lovely place to be now. And also I needed to do that anyway because um, anyone who's listening who's in the group um, will know or might know that I put a post up to say, you know, if there's any um, anyone sort of struggling with something they'd like to know more about, um, you know, put a comment in the thread and, and I'll try and make a little video. <clears throat> and of course, I was expecting most people to say, oh, I'd love some help with drawing ballerinas. <laughs> but no, we got perspective. <laughs> yeah, rather you so than like, me. 
Okay. <laughs> the only thing about perspective, it's it's actually not really difficult, but it is really difficult to explain it in simple terms. And um, but it always sounds so complicated. But anyway, because I was gonna obviously I'm gonna be doing these um some little videos once I've worked out how to use this new camera that I've got. Um, I wanted to <laughs> my studio to at least look presentable. Yeah, so I've been doing that, so that's been nice. Yes, I've gone it's... off completely off again, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, so your studio looks lovely, but you don't yeah. know how to work the camera to take a picture of it. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah just got some um, lots of reading on instructions yeah. to do. Anyway, we should get on to today's we topic, should be, yeah. shouldn't we? And, uh, oh, actually, that leads that leads quite nicely onto that. Um so let's talk about how to organise your creative space or your studio if you're lucky enough to have one. Um, but before we start, I, I just want to stress at this point that nobody needs a studio at all to enjoy making art. Um, all you need to make art is a pocket, a sketchbook, a few pens and the world around you. So some of the most best um, and successful artists out there, they just work with that alone. So don't let not having your own creative space put you off. Let your sketchbook be that space and just draw. And we've got another episode coming up too, haven't we? And I think you, we've got some general art tips as well as organisation in the, in the other podcast that we're going to do. And I think some of the tips, especially the ones you've got, are going to raise some eyebrows, aren't they? <laughs> I think I don't even know exactly what the tip is myself. I just know a bit of the gist of it. So uh, weird. That's all I can say. Anyway. Yeah, well, this would have been an epic pod because it was going to be an all-in-one episode and it would have just been epic, wouldn't it? So we decided to divide it on the studio and the space around you and then the stuff, you know, that you actually do and things you use. So we, that's why we separated them. Yeah, so today we're concentrating on creative space and how to make the best of it. And we also asked on social media and we got some some really interesting answers and we're going to share some of those tips as well. So, Tara, where, where I know you've got your own space to create, haven't you? Where do you do your drawings? Well, I actually do my drawings more or less, well, almost where I'm sitting now. Because I've got a home office, which is our converted garage. It's quite a long sort of garage. Mm. And we've got these worktops in the corner at the end. So on one bit of the corner I've got my computer and all that sort of thing computer and printer and then on the other side I've got a um, a little protector desk protector and I do my art on there or I just do it sitting on my knee with a sketchbook depends what I'm using really um, the only thing is I've, I've separated it like that to try not to get stuff messy but I'm sitting here and I've got two splats paint on my wall near my printer and I've also actually managed to get one splat on the printer well I think splats are good in an art studio <laughs> it shows you're productive Do you think? <laughs> so that's where you are right now is it yeah but I say I do work on my knee and I think working on your knee is great if you're just doing stuff like you know pencil crayons ink, are you talking about of... when you go indoors what do you mean when I go indoors like, I am in indoors the house. most of the time Yes. No, in the house, I mean. Yes. Yeah, because you said about your converted garage, that's your studio space. Yeah, but it's part of our house, really. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I see. Yeah. No, I do that in the lounge, sitting in the lounge. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I'm not good at that, really. No, but um, tidiness is not my forte, so you're going to take the lead on this one, and I'm going to pretend that I'm going to listen to you and do what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell me, where do you do your painting? 
well, the space I've got now, it's an awful lot different to the space I started with. So when I first started painting, I just used my kitchen table because back then it's all I had. It's all I needed anyway, really, because I was still learning, didn't have a lot of materials. And I was just sort of playing around with pencils and watercolour at that point. So it was perfectly good enough. Um, but once I started taking my art a lot more seriously, then I obviously accumulated a lot more art supplies. Um, and then I found it really frustrating that I had to take them out every time I wanted to work on something. Um, so eventually I set up a small space in the corner of my office to use whenever I had the chance. And that suited me for a while. And then I moved um, into the summer house at the bottom of the garden that was okay but it was really really dark in there because it was just facing the wrong direction and it was under all the trees and it was just so dark so it wasn't really great but um eventually after a few years I've moved into the studio I'm in now which is a converted garage and the great thing about this one is that apart from the position it's in I got to decide that uh, design the whole layout which was really good it was really great did Paul do that for you, your husband? <clears throat> yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Nice to have a handy husband. Well, he's my best tool in... Don't <laughs> <laughs> say like that. <laughs> Actually, anyone in Australia would think that was a real insult as well. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'd love to have a dedicated studio. It'd be so nice. But mm. I would actually like the walls and floors to be covered in tear-off recyclable paper, like those tear-off pallets. Oh, God. So then if I got splats on the walls, like I have at the moment, you could just tear it off, recycle Re it, and reusable. start with a new one. Reusable walls, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, now, I know a lot of people won't have the luxury of their own studio either, you know, especially not a tear-offable one. <laughs> but there are plenty of well-known artists. Not that we can actually remember their names, but we know there are. Yeah. You create art in their bedrooms or on the kitchen table. So, you know, you can create anywhere, really. Um, we're going to start by offering tips on how to make use of a small space in your home, how to make it easier to work in, and then move on to art studios a bit later in the episode. Yeah, and obviously if you're going to be painting from home, um, you obviously need to be wise about the medium you're working with. Working with oils probably isn't the best choice because it can be smelly for a start. Um and not all that healthy either, depending on the brand that you use. But that said, I, I do know there are artists out there who do paint with oils at home. Um, so if you're one of those people, you do need to make sure, obviously, that you choose a space that is well ventilated, preferably next to an opening window. Um, there are loads of ways to make a painting space a safer environment to work in, but that applies to both the home and the studio. So I'm going to go over some of those um, things a bit later on. But personally, I would always advise against using oils in the home, especially if you've got children around. I mean, a jar of terps in the same room as a toddler. Not a good idea for obvious reasons. No, um, don't, can't you get water-soluble oils nowadays? Yeah, I don't like them. Well, why not? I, uh, you can, but it'd be, they would be ideal for people who did want to paint with oils in the home, definitely. And that's a good, really good um, point to share. But no, I, I don't like them. I don't get on with them. They, they kind of have this kind of chalky feel and they don't seem to have the same radiance as normal oils. That's just my personal findings. Um, I just don't like them. Because was it Crystal Cook, the artist, that you sent yours to? Because I remember her yeah. talking about them to me. And I think she started off with those um, because she had kids, you know, young children in the house at the time, didn't she? Yeah, I, I had some. Crystal Cook and I we used to speak all the time. And uh, she was a water, well, she is a watercolorist, and um, she wanted to sort of test out some oils. Uh, and she she was sort of wrote a blog post on the fact that she was going to have a little try and pick up some of those water solubles. And I had a whole 
box of them that I just knew that I wasn't going to use. So I said, don't bother buying them. Let me send you these ones and then you can try them. And if you like them, then you can invest the money because obviously paints are expensive. Yeah. So I sent them over to her and she really loved them and she got on really well with them. But I just didn't. So yeah, yeah everyone's to their own. I suppose it's as well. But if you've already tried normal oils, you could probably then see more of the comparison, I guess. I think it's just what you're used to as well. I think yeah. they just behaved a bit differently and you get comfortable with what you're using, don't you? Yeah. It's a bit like, the, I found it a bit like the difference between using, here we go, <laughs> watercolour oh, and gouache yeah. <laughs> or gouache or however you say it. I just found them that little bit less radiant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, if you are working in a small space, you know, consider what you're using because if you're going to work with pens and pencils and it's not too much of an issue, you can do what I did and literally sit with it on your lap, sit with it on a, on a table. It's not really a problem. But if you're going to work on something, you know, in any other part of your home, you want to make sure it's really protected. So, you know, you want to maybe protect your carpet, especially a cream one with an old rug or decorator sheets, something like that. Um, also, say I've got this plastic table protector on my desk. I think you can buy it by the meter. Do you know the stuff I mean? That's kind of... It's thick tablecloth type thing. You can just buy, you can actually buy disposable cl- tablecloths in all supermarkets as well. Oh, can you? These are a bit mm. thicker, which is what I like rather yeah. than the, you know, you get the real cheapy ones. Yeah, yeah. I just find this, you know, a little bit nicer. So, so that's what I use. Um, but obviously, hard floor is, is much better because at least you can sort of scrub that a little bit, even, you know, but it, even acrylics or oils are still going to stick to that somewhat, like the acrylic that's stuck to my printer. <laughs> Yeah, um, with the tablecloths, I buy those cheap. I think they're about £3 each, and they're just those little wipe clean disposable ones. Oh, right. And the reason I do that is because oil doesn't come off once it's dried. And I have I have this thing where when I finish the painting, I have to get everything back to being really clean again. So I have to take the tablecloth off and then replace it with a new one. So that's why I do that. Oh, right. Oh, you, God, yeah. you'd hate mine. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, obviously these things need to be easily accessible. I think the key to having a creative space at home, um, you know, is is having things easily accessible to you at any time. So obviously it's hard to create a space where you can leave your stuff out ready to work um, whenever you get the chance, especially when you've got kids around. So the key is to try and create an area where you can put things away, but still have everything you need to hand whenever you get the chance to work. I know from past experience that if my materials are out of sight and I need to go searching for them every time I want to get to work, well, firstly, you're wasting your creative time while you're trying to find what you need. And secondly, sometimes it can just put your starting at all so the solution here is obviously storage it's always a good idea to have all of your art materials in one place that's easily accessible yeah I mean if you've got a fixed space I think I think it's it's much easier like obviously in my sort of converted garage thing um you know you can have drawers and stuff in there but otherwise you know there's ways around it so I keep some of my art materials in a fishing tackle box that I think I've had since college so it is ancient this fishing box Um, and I use it you know as well if I go out sketching very very occasionally like I did a little while ago Uh, actually you you used it as a chair didn't you because I saw it in that video you made (laughs) but I don't recommend using them as a chair because I didn't actually put it on the video but I sat on it and the hinge popped out and all my stuff went all over the ground. I can imagine the handle might have been a 
pretty uncomfortable place as well. well the handles <laughs> fold in, don't they? Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it did. It did make my bum ache. So it's not recommended. Um, so you could get a few fishing boxes, and obviously the good thing about those is they're really portable. They've got the handle; you can move them around. Um, obviously, similar things are toolboxes. And you can get specifically designed ones at places like Hobbycraft. But but I always think, I don't know about you, that if you buy something specifically for the task in art or design shops, they're always more expensive. Oh, way more. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was about to say, actually. Um, But another good one that I used to use, do you know those plastic baby boxes, the baby changing boxes? You can get them in places like... (laughs) No, you've got no children. So you can buy them in places like Mothercare and Boots, and they're basically what mums use to keep nappies and baby wipes and other changing gear in. And they're just like a a plastic, big plastic box, and you open it up, and there's a little shelf on the top that comes up, and then there's loads of room in the bottom. But personally... I think the best option by far is one of those trolleys that you can get in Ikea and I'm sure on Amazon as well. You know, there's manicure trolleys that you might see in like a salon. Um, They're basically a trolley that's got loads of drawers and all the way down and then a tray on the top. And best of all, they've got wheels on the bottom. So you can keep a whole ton of stuff in, in the drawers and then you can just roll it to one side when you're not using it. So I think they are a brilliant investment if you're a, an artist working from home in the corner of a room. I've never been in a manicure salon (laughs) (laughs) because if you see my nails you knew you'd know why what about dentists then I'm sure they use don't like the dentist either much oh dear oh dear (laughs) yeah tattoo tattoo parlor no (laughs) hairdressers saying the ones oh yeah hairdressers there that's that's exactly right hairdressers so if you haven't been to a manicurist go to the hairdressers and see what they've got um we're going to talk about easels now, I think, can't we? Um, and personally, I don't use an easel now, but in the past I have had a full-length standing one. And actually, I think it might still be up in our loft somewhere. And the problem with that was it was so big that basically every time I wanted to store it, because we hadn't got anywhere big enough downstairs, I'd have to go stick it back up in the loft, you know, which was a bit of a pain. Um, but you can get these ones now that are on desktop ones, so you can just sit them on the top. And I know when I went to the workshop, a, a little while ago that's what most of the people there were using because they were so portable so they could just like lop them in the car take them along with them and I actually debated getting one of those even though I don't really paint much um because if you use an easel lop, it obviously means you're not um pressing you're not going to indent your table in any way um and also the tilt means you don't muck up your perspective and I know I've sat there drawing on the flat before and then occasionally then you lift it up and you think oh and you've drawn it too long because your eye is kind of um, mistaken, I sort of foreshortened it as you're drawing almost. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, do you know that I was about to say, um, I did a life drawing just of, I was just doing some practicing really with a friend of mine who's also an artist years and years ago this was when I pretty much when I was very first starting out and um, she we decided we'd have a couple of arty hours and we'd sit for each other so we could draw each other's faces and things. And um, they're naked. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we didn't go that far. And she sat there and I was drawing her face and I was I was drawing on a flat surface without realising that because I was drawing on a flat surface, what my eye was seeing at my angle was completely different to when I picked it up. So when I, I was drawing, I was thinking, oh, this is great. It really does look like I'm really happy with this. And I lifted it up and I thought, oh, God, that, that's weird. It's just gone, re- she's got a really long face. It was yeah. just really strange. So, yeah, that well, those table easels are great for that because you can prop it up 
and um, you'll get far less of that going on. Would you just draw, because I wondered about this, obviously you tend to have those easels when you're going to paint. Would you draw on one as well? When, um, I've got a tilting drawing table, which oh, I, right. I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about that next. That's my next point. Do you want me to well, go no, on to that? because I haven't made my last point yet. You're interrupting. Oh, okay. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to say that if you haven't got much space and you don't want to buy a tilting table or an easel, um, you could work really small. And we had a challenge recently, didn't we, called Miniature May? Yeah. Um, and I created little faces and an A6. So I was slightly cheating because it was supposed to be even smaller. Um, A6 sketchbook. And it meant I could work with that on my knee if I wanted. And a small size also means that you don't get that effect. You know, we were just talking about elongating so much because it's so small. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're literally looking over the top of that pretty much. Yeah, you are. And you can do that on your knee on a just lean on a book, couldn't yeah, you, to exactly. be honest? So now you can talk about your table if you like. Thank you. <laughs> Well, you might be lucky enough to have an area big enough for a drawing table. I've got one of these in my studio and they're really, really great. And it wasn't actually that expensive either. If you t type in um, drawing table in Amazon, I think I, I think mine was only a... I know it was definitely less than £200. Anyway, I think it was more around the £150 mark. Um, but it's brilliant. It's been absolutely brilliant. And it tilts at all different angles. Um, it's got like a ruler at the bottom as well. Don't know why. I've never used that. But anyway, um, it's got storage underneath where you can keep, your, you know, colored pencils and inks and pens and whatnot. And a little groove in the front where you can just put the things you're using at that moment. Um, so everything's to hand. And it's really, really, really good. Yeah, so best thing is stuff can be ready to work on at a moment's notice. So on mine at the moment, my sketchbook's open, my pens and pencils are right next to it, so I can walk up to it at any point when I get a few minutes and just, you know, have a doodle. But just make sure, obviously, if you've got one of those at home, that everyone, you need to claim it. You need to claim it as your own space because, you know, there's nothing worse than someone walking along and sticking a coffee cup on the top of your you know your little piece of art <laughs> without really realizing so you need to make sure all your family know that this is my space please don't use it and then you can feel more confident about leaving your stuff out that ruler thing you were talking about is it a fixed one yeah it's for technical drawing isn't it it's for so is it it? yeah if you were doing um the, you know the old-fashioned when you used to do it by hand because uh, we used oh. to have them at school because i i took it as a as an o level um and yeah, you just use that so you'd get all your horizontal lines so you can literally move it up the page. Oh no, this one's fixed as oh. in fixed. It oh, doesn't really? move up and down. Because I remember those at school, yeah. you slide them up and down. This yeah. one is literally just fixed at the oh, bottom. Weird. So no idea what the point of it is really. Just keep your pencil there. Oh, I don't know. I don't oh, know. Well, I don't know. I thought I was being clever there. <laughs> <laughs> so No, that's, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> That's not very nice. Um, anyway, <laughs> lighting. We're going to lighting because that's another thing you you know you want to really look into. And you can buy these really, I don't think they're that expensive daylight lamps, can't you? That clamp to your sides of the table. Yeah. Um, you can also use um, LED clip lights. I don't know if they're daylight or not, but obviously it gives you a bit more light. I've got some of them. Have you seen them? I've well, got one. Yep, the little tiny clip things, and you could literally pin them to a piece of board or even to like um, you know a little dinner tray. Yeah, yeah. If, oh, yeah. I was thinking if you just sit there with a sketchbook, I actually tried to draw like that once, um, sitting in the lounge, but it, I couldn't quite get all my kit on there. Um, that's a, that's a, quickly, that's a quite a good idea. You know, those beanbag dinner trays you can get. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, it wasn't a beanbag one, actually. It wasn't quite so extravagant as that. It was just (laughs) just a a plastic one. Right. But, um, yeah, I was just trying, I couldn't quite get on my kit because I was trying to use watercolour pencils and there wasn't enough room for the water and the pencils and me and, you know, and the dinner. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, No. Um, Also, you can replace, like, in my office, I've got, fluorescent tubes are not very pretty lights but you know they work quite well but we replaced those with daylight bulbs and that made so much difference not just for the fact that it gives a really nice light but I think it wakes you up a little bit more it's I like, know. You know, that, yeah especially in the winter I mean you don't really necessarily if you've got a drawing table in the corner of your lounge diner you, you don't necessarily want to swap all of your bulbs in the lounge for a daylight but imagine your husband <laughs> like I feel like I'm in a sunbed <laughs> But you can get those ones, can't you? You know, you said about the little LED yeah. one. My one's quite a big lamp, um, but it's got a daylight bulb in it. And then you clip it to the side of your drawing table. When I first started again, I mean, you learn so much when you, you first start, don't you? And I remember drawing, doing a, like a coloured pencil sketch. And some of it had to be white. Um, but, you know, there are lots of colours in white, not necessarily mm white there's plenty of colors in white but the next day what looked to me to be white in the evening under a yellow light when I got up the next day it looked yellow so it does um alter the colors so you've got to be really careful about lighting that is really really important point I think um another one oh, did have you finished yes I finished yep. you make a so, one thank you <laughs> Another one, try try to create your space somewhere that you like to be, um, in a room you like to be in, preferably away from areas where you're going to be, you know, distracted by unwanted noise like your kids arguing and watching TV or whatever. And, and if that's not an option, then maybe invest in some of those good noise-cancelling headphones if you can. Um, I mean, that will make the world a difference to your creative experience. And if you're not able to work listening to music, you can always listen to that white noise, you know, the sound. You can download all sorts of noise um, from Spotify, can't you, like crickets and thunder and rain or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just a, a gentle background noise and it doesn't take away your focus. And it's a really good tip for artists. Sorry, not artists, writers as well, um, that one. White noise, I always thought white noise is that thing that goes... Oh, well, mate, no, no. (laughs) You could be right, actually. I've said it's white noise. I think I thought white noise just meant just... I mean, we we had a fan going in our room last night because, you know, it's been so hot here at the moment. And I suppose you could count that as white noise, can't you? But it's like... You mean noise noises, don't you? What I I mean is noises that you might hear anyway that aren't going to distract you. Although once I... um, Because I love that, you see, and... um, What, that? No, no, you know, like the noise of thunder and rain. And actually, when there's thunder and rain at night, it always puts me to sleep. It always wakes my husband up, but it puts me to sleep. And then one day I downloaded um, wind. (laughs) What what sort of wind? Oh, not that. Listen, I've got a husband for that. (laughs) No, wind as in like the sound of wind. Now, all the thunder and rain ones I had going on, lovely, really nice and soothing, really nice. Anyway. The wind one was the most unnatural sounding wind noise you can imagine. And it was like like a cartoon, God, cartoon noise. noise. It was like, <laughs> it was like that. It was, but it was worse. It was like whistling wind. It was just ridiculous. And it made me laugh out loud because it was just so unnatural. So don't bother with the wind ones. But the gentle thunder, I mean, you know. And also you might want that whether you're drawing or not, if you've got children. <laughs> 
<laughs> have a good tip. <laughs> but also, um, another thing you don't want is you don't want to be distracted, um, you know, by things like the laundry spilling out of the laundry basket that you know you've got to get around to or dishes piling up in the sink I mean household chores they're the last things you want to be thinking about when you're trying to be creative so if you're going to choose your area try and choose your area somewhere if you can where you're you know even if you have to face a wall just to get yourself away from it all try and do that yeah there's another app I was going to mention actually as well have you heard the app uh, called cough i don't want to spell it say this wrong coffitivity no it's ambient sounds of a cafe oh i like that idea yeah i remember a creator telling me about it once and he says he he loves he loves putting that on and then it just sounds like you're in a cafe um you know so you've got a general kind of chatter and stuff in the, the only problem is i'm a bit of an earwig so oh, you <laughs> so can't hear a conversation it. i'm like ooh, what are they talking about <laughs> no nothing like that i'm afraid but yeah it's you can actually buy that app or oh, it might be free i can't remember i wonder if they've actually recorded it in a real cafe or it's just loads of actors saying rhubarb 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 it's it sounds like it's in a real cafe uh-huh. oh i like that idea yeah yeah um we've heard a few people mention before they start their, in their creative time that they light a scented candle and that becomes almost like a trigger mechanism for being in creative mode mm. i know advertisers do that sort of thing don't they 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 link things to other things so they might say um oh you have this food once while you're settled down to drink your wine it's, it's that linking effect that one thing stimulates you to do another yeah i like that idea yeah um, another good one uh, to have in your space is an apron, obviously, or a big mansion. And it's got to be something you can just easily pull on over your normal clothes so you don't get changed every time you get the chance to create. Because otherwise, again, you're wasting your time trying to find your painting clothes. Just grab grab a, an old shirt or something and just have it to hand in your baby box or whatever you're using. Could be a big woman shirt as well. Well, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we move on to the art studio now? If you're yeah. lucky enough to have one, obviously, like you yeah. are. Um, now, you mentioned earlier that the ways to make your art space a safer place, and I, I'm guessing this is mainly applied to oil painters. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really. So what do you recommend? Because you work with oils. I do work with oils. And the thing is with oils, it is quite important to use them wisely, which when I started using oils, I really wasn't. And to be honest, because I feel the cold. I'm one of these people that really feels the cold. So as soon as it starts getting a bit chilly, all the windows are shut. Um, the heating goes on um yeah so the trouble is with when, when you're in an environment with with oils you you need that ventilation for a start um and i was using a different brand back then but i'll go into that in a minute um so did you know that a rag with linseed oil can spontaneously combust oh god yeah it can literally just set fire and it all you need to do is look it up on youtube and you can see it in your you know with your own eyes it's, it's absolutely terrifying is when there you a see reason it. it does it is a... it it reacts with the um the oxygen uh, in certain conditions especially in warm conditions right. um so even if you just le- left a, an oil soaked rag in the middle of your studio um and you left it there doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen but it could if you're not if you don't put it in a in a fire can or or wrap it up in i what i do with mine i don't use it anymore actually but what i used to do with mine is i used to wrap the rags in uh foil and put them in the outside bin afterwards yeah. so they've got no oxygen um 
I say I don't use it anymore. But there were times when I forgot to do that and I'd walk in the next day and think, oh, God, I've left all these oily rags everywhere. And it's so dangerous. It really, it's really, and a lot of people don't actually know that. So never, ever leave oily rags lying around after a painting session. Otherwise, you might end up setting fire to your whole studio. Um, Obviously, I've been into ventilation. Opening windows is ideal. Um, But if, if you actually get a fan and then you face it towards the open window, it actually helps to bring fresh air into the room instead of just recycling the air that's already in there so that's another good tip also plants a great addition to any studio um aside from the fact that they look really really gorgeous they also clean the air and i believe rubber plants are particularly good for that purpose um cheese plants those things probably not the leaves i've got in my studio which are fake Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah but obviously i was going into brands uh, a bit earlier one thing about oils there are now much safer brands of oil paints to use and mediums but I've decided it I'm going to sort of go into that in our next episode I'm going to talk about um the brand I use and why in the next episode because otherwise it this episode would be epic wouldn't it It would just go on and on we're bad enough already aren't we so listen out yeah listen out for the next one I'm going to talk about that Okay, so have you got some more general studio tips? So so what would your perfect studio have? Well, in an ideal world, a studio for me personally would always be in either a dedicated room in the house or in an outbuilding near the home. So if I had to physically drive somewhere to paint, I just wouldn't get hardly any time to do it. And also, if it's at home there's no rental fee which is a big bonus i know that some artists much prefer to have their studios away from home but that's just my personal preference you might have a spare room an unused shed um a garage or a summer house and you can actually buy those summer house in kit form and they're actually really really fantastic but of course they're they're really costly the guy i did that workshop with actually he had one in the bottom of his garden I think it cost him £3,000, but it was yeah. fantastic space. It yeah. really, really was. Um, was that where you were working? What do you mean? That, no, it's, were you actually? Yeah, that's, yeah exactly, oh, right. exactly that, where we took the workshop. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, I can tell you what would make the perfect art studio if money was no object. I'm sure it's an object to everyone, but if it wasn't. Um, so even if your studio is a dark and gloomy shed at the bottom of the garden, there's still cheap ways of making a great space. But the bones of a studio for me, um, first of all, it would be north facing. It would have obviously a daylight bulb. It would have heating or air conditioning, which is a must. And not just for your own comfort, but if you're storing art materials and paintings in there, you don't want them to get frost damage. Um, it would have a sink area with hot and cold running water. It would have a hard floor because... If you have carpet in a studio, it's a nightmare for dust. And if you're working with oils, you don't want dust in the room, you know, getting into your paint. Um, Lots and lots of space, obviously, to stand well back from your work and shelves for propping up art books, paintings that are drying. Have you got any other things you can think of? Well, on my dream list, as well as the tear off walls, there'd be (laughs) lots of storage. Yeah, yeah. uh, Lots of natural light. And I'd really like a door. I think you said that anyway, did you? A door you could fling open in the summer? No, I didn't say that. (laughs) I'd like uh, enough space for a wet and dry area. So you've got, you know, you can have a computer where you're going to retouch your photos and then Mm. you have a space where you can do all all the wet stuff. 
And then we've got a suggestion from someone. I don't know if it's something. Oh, Instagram. Chrissy Carter Day. Chrissy dot Carter dot Day dot Doodle on Instagram. Suggested <laughs> having a swivel chair or a stool so you can easily swing back and forth between easel and art supplies. You've got a wheelie chair, haven't you? Did you say? Yeah, and I wheel all over the place in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so lazy. <laughs> um, but it's not always possible, is it, to have the perfect space? So you've got to try and make the best out of what you've got. So. Have you got any suggestions, um, Sandra, if you've got a south-facing studio, for example, or something like a shed with no light at all? Yeah, so if you've got a north-facing studio, then the light is is far less changeable, and that means you spend a lot less time fighting with the light conditions and more time actually painting. I mean, there are times um, in the studio I was – I used to have – a south-facing studio right down the bottom of the garden and there were at least two or three hours of the day where I couldn't paint at all because the sun was just all over the place it was glaring in it was horrible but there are ways to get around it if you don't have a north-facing studio and one way around it is to have um, diffused window glass in your windows and that way they still let the light in but it reduces the glare from the sun which can be a nightmare when you're trying to paint but the problem is obviously it's a bit of hassle if you haven't got them and it's a bit of an expense to get them changed but you can actually buy a spray-on glass diffuser which comes in a can and you just spray it on and however um whatever privacy level you want or thickness level you just spray on extra layers and I've actually seen I had a friend who did it years ago on her back door and it was brilliant she just put like a bit of masking tape around the edge and sprayed this stuff on when she pulled it off she had what looked like a normal diffused glass door can't you get um, I remember a design studio I used to work out they had, um, it looked like frosty windows, but that was almost like, you know, like a sticky back plastic. Yeah, I think they can, actually. Yes, and what they'd done is obviously they'd done it so their logo came out of it. So the rest was frosty, but the logo looked clear. But clearly you can buy this, you know, sheet stuff as well somewhere that you can stick on. So much more um, of a cheaper option, isn't it, as well? So Um, the other thing is, put white blinds up and that way when you pull them down they still let some of the light through and they still bounce it around the room you could install a skylight which is what my husband did eventually in the shed down the bottom of the garden he put a couple in actually um skylight into the roof again that is more costly though um but i know an artist who her husband he put a washing machine door in her wall for oh, extra cool. light and like a curly kind of porthole yeah and it let it kind of let well it let in extra light obviously into her room but it looked really really quirky as well yeah. which I thought was such a good idea but if you you know at the end of the day if you're in a dark gloomy shed and you've got intentions um to be a prolific painter then you might just have to invest a bit of money into the lighting because it is probably one of the most important things a daylight bulb i think that's essential in any art studio i've got a strip light um in mine um which has got a daylight bulb inside and a diffuser on the outside which because they're horrible otherwise they glare if you've got a normal yellow light then it'll definitely you know affect your colors so you might think as i said earlier you're painting one color but then the following day and your normal natural daylight it'll look completely different so a daylight bulb is absolutely worth the investment um light colored walls and surfaces is if possible um because they all help to bounce the light around the room mine's all white and of course mirrors they do the same thing i've got a big mirror on my wall and not only that but a mirror will make your space feel bigger 
it'll bounce the light around but you can also look at your art in it and I know it sounds really weird to say that but if you look at art in a mirror it actually helps you to see it from a completely different point of view and perspective and it's you know you can actually spot mistakes that you might not otherwise yeah I hate doing that I really hate it you draw something you think that that looks all right and then you look at it in the the mirror and you think nope yeah yeah also also when you download it on a computer as well if you look at it on a screen I don't know whether it's just somehow you detach from it and then suddenly you spot things that you can't see when you're right in front of it Yeah. yeah but that's for the next episode yeah I was gonna say about you said about strip lights are strip lights the same as fluorescent lights are they the fluorescent tubes is that what they are yeah I just mean those long ones yeah same the same as mine in my office and that I've also replaced because and then the daylight bulbs replace those to be honest they weren't very expensive I don't know if yours were you can get ones can't you as certain spectrums or something I don't don't even think you have to go that far mine's just called a daylight bulb yeah mine too I've not got in, gone into the ins and outs no. and it works fine for me and my colours aren't affected, so. Yeah, and you mentioned as in you're always cold, which which I always am oh. as well. I've actually got my slippers on. It's been quite hot recently, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> and um, But you can get portable units, obviously, for air conditioning if you want to invest or just a fan. Um, but also heaters are pretty cheap as well. You know, if you want something like that, you know, you can have those oil ones or just... I don't like yeah. the blowy ones. I've got a little one in my office. It doesn't. It really pumps out a lot of heat, which is lovely. The only thing with those, though, is once you turn them off, you suddenly feel really cold again. So I always think it's better to have something like an oil heater because they just heat up gradually and keep it at a nice, comfortable heat rather than blowing, you know. Yeah, mine doesn't blow, actually. I don't know what it does. But it, you can also um, set it to come on at certain times, which is quite useful. Yeah. So you yeah. could then set it in the morning before you go in the studio if it's really cold, stuff like that. Yeah, um, but mine basically stays permanently on because I'm always cold. Um, oh, the one one thing I think must be really tricky is if you haven't got any water. I mean, if you you can open windows obviously for cooling in the summer. Mm. So, what do you do if you haven't got any water? Oh God, that you know, having no water is an absolute nightmare in the studio. So when I first stopped working in the house, I moved down to the summer house at the bottom of the garden, as I said. But it didn't actually have any uh, running water at all. And and I bought one of those, um, two of those, in fact, those you know, those one gallon water bottles you can get. Well, they're like big plastic things, like you get. Yeah, but they're mass. They're really, really big. A bit like spring water, but you can get the gallon bottles. Yeah. And to be honest, back then, that's what I was using. Um, but I was using, I wasn't really into oils then. I was doing more watercolour and things like that. Um, so I just bought two of those and I used to have to use those. And it's obviously by no means ideal. But if money's a consideration, then at least it's better than having no water at all. So what um, did you drain them in? Did you have a bowl underneath them I or just, something? No, I just took a, I, I got a washing up bowl, yeah. you know, and just used that. And I just used to tip in a bit at the time as I needed it. Um and that's how I that's how I used it. It was really, really difficult. But eventually, um, Paul installed a outside water tap, which was a few feet from a, from the door. That made things easier because at least I could just go out there and fill my jars and wash my hands quite easily. Um, eventually, when I moved into my new studio, he installed a sink with running water, which was an absolute godsend. But at the time, it was only cold water because there was no way of running hot water to where I am. But in the winter, oh, it was like, you know, washing your hands under ice. It was so, so cold. And it's really hard to wash oily brushes um, because obviously I know you wash them in your turps and whatnot, but trying to wash that off with cold water, it's really, really difficult. Um, So a couple of months ago, he 
bit more than that actually now, but he put in one of those over sink water heaters, you know, those oh, little things yeah. you get like in public yeah. toilets. And it was it was about £125, I think it was. And I'll tell you what, it has changed everything. It's one of the best things I think I've invested in, um, apart from the studio itself. And there are there are cheaper ones out there as well, um, but that was well worth it. And it just completely solved that problem. So if we assume you've got your studio sort of set up, if it's a small space, you need to use it really cleverly and find ways to store things. Now, we've got some tips, but you've got a fairly large area, haven't you, in your studio? Yeah, well, mine's like a, it is a converted garage and it is quite long. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, I was lucky I got to kind of design where I wanted everything before my husband did anything. He said, right, where do you want, where do you want what? Yeah. So have you, have you got yours arranged then? So I've got, um, I've got a sink area, obviously, as I've said, uh, with hot and cold water now. I've got a dry area, which is where my drawing table is. And obviously, if you wanted to put your computer um, somewhere, it's obviously good to keep it in a dry area. I've got a wet area, which is where my painting table is. So on that table, there's a table easel on there. There's my glass palette. And then obviously my studio easel, which is the tall standing one, is, is close by so that I can easily get to my palette and then just slap the paint on, on my painting on the on the easel. So that's so it's always important to have a wet and a dry area. Um, loads of sockets because obviously for lights, um, cameras, that sort of thing. If you're going to be taking photos of your work or using your iPad and stuff like that, um, my easel is at one end of the room, and then I've kind of got like this runway between the other end of the room and the easel, so I can stand quite far back from it when I need to. I've got a work surface all down the other side, which I try to keep completely clear apart from my shadow box, which I'm going to talk about in the next episode. Um, and then there's loads of shelves underneath the work surface to store my canvases like paper and jars, still life objects, books, um, hooks on the wall to hang things like scissors, T-square, mile stick, that kind of thing. Um, and also on the wall is my my whiteboard, which is where I write down all of my ideas for future paintings. And um, also a portable speaker on a little shelf in the wall. So, um, yeah. So, I... so you can listen to us? <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but I think the most important part of, of studio is storage, for sure. You don't want stuff and clutter everywhere. I mean, I know some people work like that. I can't. I just can't. Like me. I can't do it. Yeah, no, I can't do it. It's really weird. I just can't. No. Well, I mentioned before that I've got a fishing box, but I've also recently got some, you know, those cheap plastic drawers you can get from DIY shops? Yeah. So I've got some of those to keep my kit in. And that was my partner's suggestion. Well, very heavy suggestion to try and tidy me up because he's, <laughs> he's the tidy one in the house. Um, and originally I was going to keep certain things together in certain drawers so like you know I have all my toned paper in one and that sort of thing but my system has gone a little bit to pot already because I've got too many drawing pads so I've kind of had to put them in more than one drawer um, and I've also got I, these are really helpful tips I've got here I've also got I I don't know where to put it drawer <laughs> <laughs> no I can't imagine you've got one of those have you no <laughs> we've got we've got a drawer like that in the house we call it the man drawer (laughs) you really want one because that's where you bung things like a box of paper clips and post-its and anything you don't know where to put it so a state a stationary drawer i would call that (laughs) yeah but i don't know if there's just stationary in there 
No. Probably, yes, yeah, mainly stationary. Perhaps that's a better name for it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway how do you store your paints? Oh, yeah, I've got a, a, um, a really great way of storing paints. Um, so I have a big sheet of MDF, which I painted white. Then I put five rows of nails all the way along. Did you do this? Um, Did Paul do this? I, oh, he, he cut the MDF to the right size for me. Um, and then, no, he, he basically just oversaw because my, my me and tools just don't really go together but he did let me do it <laughs> but he just watched <laughs> so um I put oh god any feminists out there are just going to be cringing aren't they? <laughs> so I put five rows of nails all the way along and then I left a gap between each row which is a bit longer than a large tube of paint and then I fixed that to the wall and then all I do is I just, I use a bulldog clip, which I clip to the end of my tubes of paint. And then I hang those on the nails and I hang all of the paints in order of the colour wheel. So now I just, I just know where they are. So I, I practically don't have to look. I just stand up, grab the paint, and then I know exactly what I've got. And then I can also easily see when I'm running low on a colour because there's nothing worse. You're midway through a painting and you go to grab some white or something worse, white, that's the worst colour to run out of. And then you realise that, oh no, I've I've only got a, a tiny bit left and it's not going to last me for this session. So yeah, it's a really great way of keeping track of what you're running low on as well because they're right in front of you. Yeah. And I know you're going to suggest as well that it's best to keep your materials organised um, put them away when you finish with them aren't you uh well mm, uh not necessarily (laughs) no well um let me put it this way obviously if I was doing a painting session of course I would clean my palette and clean my brushes and I'd put them away but obviously the beauty of having a studio is that you walk in there and things are ready to use straight away so like I say my drawing table's always got my sketchbook open on it and there's pencils out ready but yeah I mean I wouldn't have just stuff everywhere. I wouldn't have all my paints out, no way. Now, well, you've probably seen photos on my desk. <laughs> I like to keep, at the moment, on mine, I've, I've got kind of my tripod set up because I've been doing some videoing. But I've also, I'm just turning around if I, my voice sounds funny on the microphone. But I've got like a few sketch pads on the top and then the brush pens I've been using. So I like to keep them out because, well, as well as I'm messy, also it means that if I suddenly feel like drawing, if they were in the drawers, I may not want to bother getting them out, you know, because it's like an extra step, isn't it? Whereas if you just feel creative, you can immediately create. Yeah. So I kind of like to leave that, you know, stuff out. And I don't know if I've told you before that I worked at a company once, a design company that had an empty desk policy. Have I ever told you that? I re- no, you haven't. Oh, really. it nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> they decided that... Um, it's, I've never known a design place like it that every every night all the desks had to be completely clear. So at night, fortunately, we had big drawers. Literally at night, I had to like throw everything into the drawer. <laughs> it, it was so hard. <laughs> but yeah, would, that, would would Kim and Aggie have a field day in your in your workspace? Oh, they would hate it. They really would. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know who Kim and Aggie are, they they used to do this program, didn't they? How clean is your home? <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily dirty. It's no, no. Tidy. Yeah. yeah. And and I have to say that some friends of mine and family might accuse me of being ever so slightly OCD. Now, I don't know what they're talking about, but apparently they think I'm a little bit that way. And a lot of creatives, you're absolutely right. They, they need to have stuff in sight 
to be and feel more creative whereas I have to have things tidy to make me think I want to be in there yeah (laughs) well I was actually thinking instead of me I should have replaced my partner with me for this episode because he (laughs) he is Mr clean desk man (laughs) so he would have been perfect and he could have probably probably talked to you for hours about how to be tidy my husband's the same in his van, Paul. He um, Most work vans, when you sort of see in them, you're like, God, you know, there's stuff everywhere and yeah. oh, burger burger wraps. And, oh, he's he's really OCD in his van. Really? He's a, yeah. His van is immaculate. And it, it, any bit of rubbish in there, and you can see the stress. Even in our car when we're out, if um, if I put a receipt, I've just gone to buy something from the garage and I've I put a receipt in, just in the middle bit. Yeah. You can see the, the stress levels. <laughs> it's really funny. Sometimes I do it on purpose just to wind them up. <laughs> you sound perfect for each other. <laughs> well, I now feel the complete phony because I'm now going to read out a few suggestions of ways to keep things tidy and organised. So I need to take note of what's written down here. <laughs> so it says, have various size jars to keep things separate. Um, such as coloured pencils, pens, that sort of thing, but have a, a jar for each. Unlike mine, which is sitting on my desk, it's got everything I could cram into it in there. Oh, you see, I've got my coloured pencils in oh. one. I've got calligraphy pens in the other. I've got um, like Conte pencils in another. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to take you a photo and send you a picture of mine and maybe we'll put it on the blog post. Maybe we'll have <laughs> a compare mine with yours. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Or maybe we'll have who has a tidiest desk, who has the messiest. I think we know the answer yeah, there already, we do. don't we? Well, I didn't mention it does too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> um, instead of using a drawer to throw everything in loosely, like my I don't know where it is drawer, Mumsy Savo from our Facebook group suggests using the cutlery tray. And I did think this was a really good idea. And she said that will make it easier to separate everything. Because as well, they're really good sizes for stuff like pencils and brushes and stuff, aren't they? A cutlery tray, tray what you'd use for knives and forks. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, I thought that was a great idea that she came up with. Really, really good. I'm going to use that. And then we've got Catherine King Designs, who mentions that she uses baskets. She says it doesn't really matter if the stuff inside the baskets is tidy, as long as everything is corralled in. That sounds like my sort of tidying. Um, and then you can also get those freestanding vegetable baskets that come as drawers, and they might be a good idea too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cheryl Martin from our Facebook group suggests using those cubbies, which you can get from Ikea. Is it cubbies or cubies? I don't know. I thought it was cubbies, but then they are cube-shaped, yeah. so it could be either. And you get those from Ikea and places like that, and they're good for options for wall storage. Um, ideally, you'd have a drawer for different paper and a shelf for sketchbooks too. Yeah, yeah, and I've got a small set of drawers as well in my studio, and I use those basically to keep um, boring things like records of receipts and invoices, that kind of thing. And then we've got another tip, and this was on our Facebook page from Sophie, I don't know if it's Bayer or Bauer, and she mentioned that a good tip is to put things away after a creative session, and it's a good tip if you're not a messy person like me. Um, so that's a studio space organised, but we've got loads more general tips for artists. So as you said before, we're going to make a separate episode for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, that's, that's going to be really interesting. I've got really good tips for things like cleaning old um, oil off of brushes that have dried and all sorts of things. So, And I'm sure you've got lots of tips as well. Well, I've definitely got a tip that I thought of today about when you said about iPads. So I need to remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
And things like keeping your paints wetter for longer, and that includes oils and acrylics, setting up still life, all kinds of things like that. And like we said earlier, I have got one quite random tip that I know you're dying to hear about. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we've got the question, haven't we, from last time that we need to read out, and we had a lot of answers for that. And the question was, what is the best art exhibition or creative event that you've ever attended and why? Um, we've got Sandra Ridgewell, who took part in Processions 2018 on Sunday. It was the largest living artwork. We made banners to celebrate anniversary of women's suffrage, then processed them through the capitals of the UK. Process them? Process them, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I helped make one of the 100 large banners and also a smaller one. We walked in Cardiff. And then we've got Cheryl Martin. I went to a beautiful exhibition at the Portland, Oregon Art Gallery. It was old masters. The sheer size of some of those paintings took my breath away. I've also been to the Louvre. And we've got Melanie Cormack Hicks, who's an artist. She says, first exhibition I saw of Kurt Jackson's paintings in a tiny gallery in St. Just. St. Just? I don't know yeah. what that is. Over 20 years ago. She says, it blew me away. The honesty, integrity and raw mark making made me gasp. You've got a few, haven't you, as well? Okay, yes. So I've got Chaco Kid. Around Christmas last year, I went to the Detroit Institute of Arts to see a two exhibit special Frederick Church, an American painter, and Monet. They had also just redone it and opened their Japanese section. The DIA has a new exhibit right now I want to go and see on the art of Star Wars costumes. That sounds interesting. My husband would like that. Yeah, um, not keen. Well, we're both not, not keen on stuff. No, no, definitely not. Virginia Johnson Jacob, a, f a room full of Monet waterscapes at L'Orange Loranger in Paris. Oh, gosh, that must be amazing. Kellyanne Victor, I'm attending an art exhibition inspired by The Lost Words at my little one's primary school this afternoon. I expect that will be the best one ever, so I'll let you know later. Oh, that's so lovely. And uh, Tracy Fletcher King. The opening of my solo show, it might sound a bit egotistical, but I was so surrounded by so many people who supported me via Instagram, social media, and they were there in the flesh. It was amazing to meet some of the people who have encouraged and supported me while I was painting the work. It was bliss. But that magical afternoon aside, I love one room at our art gallery that never fails to inspire me it's blue and white china from antique through to modern sculptures it's my happy place i love that i wish i could have been at that um uh exhibition i really do what, her own one yeah, yeah i'd love to have gone to that i really would but obviously it's halfway around the world which would be the most expensive exhibition yeah, i've ever true, been to but i would love to go there one and day that, i do want to meet tracy one day and that exhibition she spoke about one with the um porcelain that just yeah. sounds so her, doesn't it? So oh, yeah, she likes painting. Yeah, because she does. She paints everything blue and white at the moment. It's beautiful. Anyone who hasn't seen her Instagram page, you should definitely go there. It's it's really gorgeous. Um, so we have another question for next time, um, which you're going to put up on the group page, presumably. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah. Okay, so what is your favourite art book and why? I have a feeling that people are not going to just come up with one. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you what yours are. Oh, that's a trouble. I've come got on. lots. We know one person you've got to mention. Danny Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got virtually all of his art books. I love Danny Gregory's art books. Yeah, for sure. He's probably, he must be one of my favourites because I haven't got just one of his. I bought one and then decided I needed them all. Um there's another art there's another book actually called um 
called Sketching from Square One to Trafalgar Square. Can't remember who. Oh, wrote you've it mentioned now. that before, haven't you? Yeah. That was really good, actually. Yeah. It's basically for people who love sketching and um, sketching outdoors and things like that. That's that's a really good one worth investing in, I think. But I could honestly, I my list could go on and on. Yeah. <laughs> it really could. But yeah, I'm just going to stick with Danny for now and and that other one. Yeah. Well, can I have two if I'm picking? No, no. Oh God, no! I'm gonna yeah. have two. Okay, so, I'll let you. So, <laughs> I, uh, I had, I had six theoretically. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mine are pens on my friends. Guess who that's by? Not John Bergman. Yeah, there we go. Pens on my friends by John Bergman, and that's just got loads of his doodles in. And I really love a book called Street Sketchbook, and that's by Tristan Manco. And that is, oh, it's just an amazing book. It's full of street art artists but they're sketchbooks so it's not actually their street art it's the kind of prep work they do for it to come up with their characters and stuff I absolutely oh, love really? it love it yeah brilliant um so anyway back to the answers to those questions your answers um you can tweet us at kick creatives or let us know in the facebook group which if you haven't joined you want to join that now um we will also put the question up there and on the facebook page and of course Get in touch with us via Instagram as well, which is also kicking the creatives. Shall we um, talk about the August challenges before we go? Yeah, let's give them a quick rundown. Okay, so we've got 31 Animals August. Um, so in August, we are um, introducing 31 Animals August and we're challenging you to create and share a piece of animal art every day for 31 days throughout the month of August. And your art can be in any medium and created in 2D, 3D or digital. We also have Early Rise August, um, which I'm sure you're going to love, <laughs> Tara. You made me do something like that once before. That was enough. Yeah, that was the inspiration yeah. for this one. So Early Rise August, um, do you find it hard to get time for your creative pursuit or are you simply just too tired at the end of the day? So this challenge then is for you. So we're challenging you to get up one hour earlier than you normally would every single day throughout the month of August kick time august that is a month-long creative challenge kick time um, is designed for those creatives who would prefer to sink their teeth into one big project over the whole month rather than to take part in lots and lots of smaller ones so it's designed to inspire any kind of creative project whether it's a story poem piece of art piece of music the list goes on so august's prompt is reflect Okay, and we've got two more, which are Animation August. We are challenging you to create a series of 2D or 3D animations during the month of August. They can be as simple as a flipbook or as complex as you like. And they can also be as long or short as you like, depending on your experience. The point is to have a go. And last but not least, we've got Quick Kicks August. Now, Quick Kicks are a monthly creative challenge that you can complete in 15 minutes or less. So for August, we're challenging you to create a drawing or a painting on a non-white paper. So it could be on toned or coloured paper, black paper, or you could even paint over a wash of colour, you know, if you haven't got those papers at hand, and then work over the top of that. Yep, so don't forget to pop over to our website at www.kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can get the best out of the challenges. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Just one thing, those challenges as well, if you either sign up for our newsletter or you join our Facebook group, you can also get free prompts and reference sheets to go with those. 
I do. All right then. So we will look forward to seeing everyone, or rather, everyone hearing us. <laughs> I don't know. Looking forward to it. But yeah. No, it's probably not. No. Probably not. We're looking forward to joining you yeah. again in a couple of weeks, okay. and um, hopefully by then you'd have all, um, you know, been arranging your creative space. Okay. See you next time. Bye. Okay. Chat soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. Oh yeah, <laughs> with the gouache. <laughs> oh yeah, God, that's you know what I think. I think it. I think you can say it both ways because I went and looked on YouTube. And I said, cause I, could just think, I wasn't deliberately looking for that, but while I was um, watching a sketchbook school thingy, I uh, saw something about gouache. Oh, and that Danny Gregory says gouache similar to you, but not quite the same. Yeah, you know why though? Why? I just thought, I've suddenly realised why. Because I was at first, I was thinking, yeah, but Tara says bath. And I say bath, and yeah. Tara says grass, and I say grass, and that's just a northern southern thing, isn't yeah. it? So I was thinking, so it makes sense that she'd say gouache, and I'd say gouache. You know, that was my that was my gouache, thing. That's <laughs> gouache. <laughs> so that that was why. But then afterwards, I thought, hmm, do you know what? I've never really known how to pronounce gou- gouache or gouache. Well, um, neither do I. No, and and I think this is what I'm wondering. I've only ever heard people talk about gouache. Yeah. And I think the only people I've heard talk about it are Americans. So I wreck, you know, they go, gonna go and have a wash, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and like, so I'm wondering if I'm saying it in an American accent because that's the only, <laughs> the only way I've heard it. Maybe. So when I'm saying gouache, I'm actually saying it American. I don't know. Well, I watched a couple of videos. Danny Gregory says it similarly to you. Yeah, and but then, he's American. Yeah, exactly. But then I heard another woman, and I think she was English, um, and she said it more like I say it. Gouache. Yeah, but it might just be that some people say gouache and some people say gouache. I think it's because no one in the whole universe knows no, how to spell say it. <laughs> yeah. It's a ridiculous spelling, isn't it? it it's is, like, yeah. yeah, I've no idea. I've no idea. No.